Welcome, everybody. Uh, th- welcome to our very first uh, episode of Redeemer Radical Reflections from Reading Rightly. Or if you'd <laughs> rather, the five R's, the five R's podcast. I could barely get it out myself. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I am George Cagle, and I am joined by... Scotty Jinks. And Kevin Kerner. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so we, uh, what we will be doing over the next probably a few couple months, maybe a few months, depending on how detailed we get, uh, we will be going through a book of the Bible of our choosing, and we are going to do Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And... Uh, one of the things we wanted to start off with was talking about why we would choose the book of Isaiah out of, out of so many, especially cause, uh, Scotty, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this question at you that I know you're, you're very much prepared for. Right. Um, I hope. Yeah. So Scotty, what, you know, a lot of people, like when they talk about Isaiah, yes, they look at, you know, Isaiah, uh, 52 and 53, uh, Isaiah six, you know the, the the prophecies about the Messiah, especially around Christmas time. But there's whole sections of this book that nobody really you know preaches on or really looks into or anything. So you know, Scotty, why in the world would we look at a Bible that a lot of a book of the Bible that a lot of people are like, you know what, we don't. Yeah, there's a few chapters that are important, but. Why, do, why would we care about the whole book of Isaiah? Well, uh, the reason we want to talk about Isaiah, uh, so we've been going through a, a community Bible reading plan or CBR uh, journal with uh, our church has started this uh, sometime last year. And we had the privilege of reading through Isaiah recently um, and realized how much uh, the events of Isaiah sort of line up with our current political climate um, the sort of um, the sort of things that uh, Isaiah was uh, being asked by the Lord to condemn with his words um, really sort of uh, struck a chord uh, with basically what, what we uh, see happening around us. And I think that's what made it feel uh, so timely, um, especially the sections after, let's say, uh, 13 and on where uh, the books are essentially talking about other nations and the Lord is sort of uh, lamenting uh, how things are going and condemning their actions um, reminds me a lot of things that I'm, I'm seeing today that uh, that I would imagine the Lord is still lamenting that the Lord is still uh, condemning uh, things that we'd like to um, avoid feeling of doing ourselves yeah that's good i it reminds me there's a, i can't remember who the pastor is but at one point um uh, you know i've heard i've heard one guy say um you know these books are still important because god never changes so if there's anything mm-hmm. that god does or reveals about himself in these books you know talking to other people that's still the kind of person he is today and then not only does god never change neither do people, you know, neither does humanity, neither do we. 
the sort of things that these nations, uh, even, you know, ancient nations like Edom and Moab, you know, things they're struggling with are and sins are still sins that we have as a people and, and as uh, individuals that we struggle with also. Um, you know, something that I, I love about this book is is just, yeah, not only is there so much that we see, you know, especially just comparisons with America today, um, there's just so many wonderful, uh, just throughout moments of, of just, you see God's grace and the declaration of, of God's mercy and his salvation offered to, uh, you know, to his people. And, and there's just so many times that I, I, I just marvel at, um, you know, at, at, at the Lord and, and how merciful he is towards us. Um, so that's, yeah, for me, that's what, that's, and, and for us, that's why we wanted to do this book. This this book, uh, there's so much about uh, that applies to today, but also, you know, kind of applies to the Lord's, uh, you know, mercy and his salvation through Jesus. You know, I've, I've heard Isaiah referred to as the fifth gospel. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's just so much uh, in here about Jesus and and uh, about the Lord and, and his redemption. So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about just for this episode, just some background, right? Uh, who is Isaiah? When was the book written? What was going on during this time and everything? And um, first thing I wanted to go over was uh, Isaiah himself, you know, uh, who was Isaiah, right? So do Scotty, or we also have Kevin. Kevin is our resident historian. Uh, <laughs> You're very kind. He is, he's, he's the man with all the info. Um, so if Kevin, I know, I know Kevin, I mostly talked to him about, you know, he's going to be talking to us about the Assyrians and the Babylonians and, and the, the powers uh, from that time. But he's more than welcome to, to, to chime in here. So the question is, who is Isaiah or who was Isaiah? Well, I can, I can uh, offer a little bit of commentary, um, Scotty, if you, if, if that's okay with you. You can go ahead. <clears throat> so, um, so the, the man of Isaiah, um, it, it, what, the one thing that's, that's very interesting that strikes me um, uh, right off the bat is his name, Isaiah, um, which if, if you look at the uh, Hebrew translation, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so please forgive me. It is, uh, it's, it is, know, it, <laughs> the, the, the Hebrew translation of it is, is, is Jesse Jahu. Okay. And if, if you, if you can uh, break that down a little bit, you hear the Jahu, right? That is God. Right, like Yahweh, and and um, so so the translation of Jesse Yahu literally means God saves. So his mm. his um, his his name 
his very name was prophetic. Um, and he also, he had two sons that had prophetic names. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce their very I see these pronounce. names in front of me right now. I really want to hear you try and pronounce them. <laughs> well, I don't have them in front of me, so that's the problem. <laughs> um, but maybe we'll come back. Let me, we'll come back to that. Um, okay. So let's just let's focus on Isaiah. So um, another thing that uh, that makes uh, makes this this guy unique um, is that he was actually royalty. He was born into the royal family, the ruling family of uh, of Judah. Now you got to remember at this point um, as well, and I feel I needed to to, to say this right now that um, the nation of Israel was divided. Um, at this time, there were two kingdoms. There was the ten tribes of Israel that um, that were to the north, um, in the north part of the of the Promised Land, um, and then uh, and then to the south of them was Judah, and there were just two tribes. So we're talking about the kingdom of Judah, and uh, Isaiah was the grandson of King Joash, which. Uh, makes him again, like I said, royal family. He had position, he had uh, lots of wealth, obviously. Um, education, not typically a uh, a person that you would associate to be a prophet. If you look at the other types of prophets, um, you know, s- some of them were educated, right. of course, but nobody but came from humble a, right, very humble backgrounds. Isaiah was the exact opposite. In fact, um, in Isaiah six, the one that the, the one of the passages, like you said, George, that um, that everybody kind of knows, um, in the very first uh, the very first pa- uh, verse, it says, "In the year that King Uzziah died." Well, he could have he could have said at the same time, at, uh, "In the year my cousin died," because Isaiah was King Uzziah's cousin. So <clears throat> that so that it kind of puts it into perspective of kind of who he was and the relationship that he had in the kingdom to the to the ruling the ruling family of Judah um, of the kingdom that, of Judah. Right. So that would make sense then how he's able to in all these you know in in the book of Isaiah and then when he you know in like Second Kings where he shows up he has this access to the king absolutely and to the royal court he's able to walk in whenever he wants and says hey let me tell you what god's saying you know uh, well i think it also takes on a a second meaning uh you know we know later god's going to ask him to walk around naked um and thinking of him as a a regular prophet you know someone um of no importance uh that wouldn't be that big of a deal but because because of his lineage because everyone knows who he is for him uh, to spend some time in the nude uh, gives a, a more important message, I guess. Does that make sense? Well, it's definitely, yeah, probably more, a lot more uh, humiliating for him. Absolutely. Right. I've noticed, yes, and as, as somebody who is an aristocrat, very well educated, you know, uh, I see some he seems to have been somebody who probably was fairly prideful, uh, very, you know, uh, a lot of confidence in himself. And I think that's what also, you know, kind of leads to, uh, 
again, Isaiah 6, right, which probably was the beginning of his ministry, right, when the Lord actually appears to him uh, and, and greatly humbles him. Very different, I think, from like uh, if you see somebody like in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, uh, I believe it's chapter one, you know, the Lord appears to Jeremiah at the beginning of Jeremiah's ministry and, and basically says, hey, I, I need you to stop trembling, you know, and being down on yourself. You, you belong to me and I'm going to lift you up and, and use you, you know. Whereas more like God appears to Isaiah, you know, and goes, all right, I need you to start trembling before me here. You know, sure. I need to knock you down a few notches. Uh, but it's anyway, also, it's also it's also worth yeah. uh, worth noting um, how many times Isaiah is mentioned in the rest of the scripture. Um, uh, Jesus quoted him often right. uh, throughout his ministry. Paul quoted him often as well. Um, and there was <clears throat> there's even some uh, some debate going on that Isaiah didn't write all of Isaiah, that there were two, sometimes three um, in some in some people's beliefs, people that wrote Isaiah. Um, but the, the others have refuted that fact that are saying, well, you know, Jesus intimately quoted and knew Isaiah front to back and used it many times. And he, he said, as Isaiah wrote. So it's right. like, well, if that's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, you know? So, and, <laughs> and may that, may that always be. Right. And um, so, and it's, also, <clears throat> it's also mentioned. Um, I think it's worth mentioning as well. <clears throat> Prophets. Prophets, unfortunately, a lot of times, in fact, almost every time, meet uh, with pretty grisly ends. Um, and if you remember in um, in Hebrews uh, 11, which is the famous chapter that they call the Hall of Faith. Yes. Um, in Hebrews 11.37, they mention someone. There's, it, it's, it's essentially it's just saying that there were some that were run through by swords some that were sawn in two. Um, unfortunately, the one that they say is sawn in two, that was Isaiah. Um, he, he kept coming back and advising these kings and telling them what, what God said. And the last king that he had access to, Manasseh, um, hated Isaiah and and actually was a very evil king um, that ruled Judah. And, and he hated him so much that he forbade him to speak. Um, and, if, and, and, and historically, and if I'm going on too long, please tell me, but and historically, if, you, um, and with a, if, if, a, if a king by royal decree says you are not allowed to speak, you are not allowed to speak, period. End of story. And he probably had some people there. He had spies. He had everything that, that said, as soon as he speaks, tell me. So, um, but that was not going to keep uh, the, the Lord talking to him. And he, in that time, wrote, it is, it's thought that he, that's when he put all of, all that, 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 uh, that the Lord had told him down to paper. 
Because he's like, well, if I can't speak, I'll write. And Manasseh, like I said, hated him so much, he finally had him executed in that grisly way. The uh, That's good, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I read also, yeah, how there was a lot of, uh, there were people who claimed that, you know, other authors were writing under Isaiah's name much, you know, long after Isaiah died. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact, like, for example, in Isaiah, I can't remember which chapter, but Isaiah even mentions the king of Persia, Cyrus, mm -hmm. as God's instrument for bringing the remnant back to Jerusalem. Right. You know, 150 years, if Isaiah wrote it, it's like 150 years before this is happening. And I guess it would only make sense for people who would say, well, he's, you know, he can't know that that's actually happening. That would then give a lot of credit to God and, and uh, him actually being a, a divine prophet and everything. And so, of course, that could, it couldn't have been Isaiah who wrote that. Uh, but, of course, us as, as Christians who believe Isaiah really was uh, God's prophet, why wouldn't uh, God? Uh, there's a lot of other predictions that Isaiah makes in here that we'll see as, as we go through this book that uh, reveal um, you know, uh, the prophecy of, of God that we know will eventually uh, come to pass. So, uh, Kevin and Scotty, let's uh, move on now to, so from Isaiah, just to the historical background, we started to kind of get into it already, right? We've talked about how uh, the kingdom of Israel by this point has been divided actually into two kingdoms, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. And, you know, Isaiah, uh, pretty much his ministry was in the southern kingdom. But let's talk about uh, especially like the neighbors, uh, especially some fairly hostile neighbors that uh, Judah's very much concerned about. Uh, so let's talk, of course, everybody, the main the main nation uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of pushing everybody around at this point in history is the Assyrians. So, uh, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit of, uh, about the history of Assyria, especially at this point in, uh, in history? I most certainly can. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> a lot of historians have labeled um, Assyria as one of the, of course, rightly so, as one of the great ancient empires. Um, they were located... Uh, in the if if uh, if those listening have a have a map or are familiar with the area, there is an area in between the Mediterranean Sea and the and the Persian Gulf that um, where there are two great rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, and they're still there to this day. Um, form an area of very arable, very rush lush land called the Fertile Crescent, and a lot of ancient civilization kind of begins in this area because you, when you think about it, you know, what, what's the first thing that a, that a, uh, uh, any kind of group of people are going to look for, they're going to look for a stable water source. And <clears throat> between the Tigris and the Euphrates, you have that safe, stable water source. So the Assyrians were kind of in the North part of the fertile crescent. Um, and, uh, like I said, they they were they were a great empire. 
that conquered many people and essentially ruled the area in, in a constant state of fear and terror. Um, these guys were really bad dudes. They, they have not, they, they have, I have seen many historians even call them the Nazis of the ancient world. Um, well, that's serious to be calling somebody a Nazi. Yes. Yes. And, and it was, um, there's, there's many recorded things of their, of the brutality, um, uh, that they did to their captured foes. Um, and, and, and so they were the dominant empire in the air, in the area, uh, the big, the big dominant empire. There were others as well that were closer to Judah and Israel. Um, there was, there was the kingdom of the Ammonites, the Moabites and the Edomites. Um, they, they were all kind of on the, uh, on the Eastern side of the Jordan river. They were smaller kingdoms, but they were still a pain in the pain in the side of both Judah and, and uh, Israel. And also um, at, at one point, Israel, the 10 tribes, they made an alliance with Syria to their north to attack Judah. So there was essentially a civil war. Um, take on that, you had the, uh, on, on, in addition to that, you had the Philistines that were uh, essentially, they were kind of to the southwest of Judah. Um, we all know about the Philistines and the ultimate Philistine, Goliath. Um, there were there were uh, many other types of hostile nations that were that were around. Um, the one thing uh, that that's interest that is of interest is the uh, the ascendancy of Babylon as well. Um, now, at this point that Isaiah is is written, um, actually Babylon isn't much of a player on the world stage right. yet. Um, they are very much a kingdom in ascendancy. The, uh, the Assyrians have reached their height, and they are actually on a decline, which is interesting. Uh, to, 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 uh, it's interesting to think about because um, in, uh, in, in layers, and I'm sure we'll, in the later uh, podcast we'll talk about this, is um, at one point, the king of Judah actually reaches out to the Assyrians and asks them for an alliance. And what an unholy alliance that is. Um, because <clears throat> the Assyrians come in with this, with, with a story of, oh, yes, we will come and we will protect you and we will wipe out your enemies. But, I mean, essentially, they're just, they have no, they have every intention to make them their slaves. Um because that's just how bad the Assyrians were. They were they were an evil empire, um, and also uh, those that are listening can can also take note that their capital city was Nineveh, uh, of Jonah and the whale story. And and if you actually go and you read Jonah, um, and and you remember that Jonah hated the Ninevites. This is the reason why he hated the Ninevites, because Assyria utterly crushed the nation of Israel and plundered everything that they had and took them as slaves for an entire generation. And they were just, like I said, they were a brutal people, and they, and they absolutely ground Israel into the dirt. 
I mean, that's just the, that's the, the, the simplest way I can describe it. It was utter, complete and utter ruined by the Assyrians. So this was, so during this time, right? So, you, so we have Judah very much is, especially after uh, King Uzziah, Uzziah. Sure, whatever his name is. That's right. That's right. Uh, Oh, okay, good. Uh, But yeah, so right, long time of fairly, uh, you know, prosperity with Judah, but pretty much after his death, right, everything, uh, all these enemies, right, to the east and and the southwest. And then, of course, you have Assyria during Isaiah's, uh, you know, uh, time uh, as a prophet. Yeah, Assyria destroys Israel and comes very close to destroying Judah as well. Um, And of course, yeah, but also during this whole time, Isaiah starts talking about the Babylonians, which was very much a bold prophecy. Uh, Yeah, Babylon was not much of a a, a player at this point. It it was was much later in the future that, uh, right, Babylon, you know, I guess replaces Assyria. There's a right. At the, uh, there's a very interesting story in um, I think it's later in Isaiah, and I want to say it was King Ahaz. He was he was ill, and the kingdom of Babylon sent him sent to him an emissary. Oh, I know what you're talking. About. I believe you're talking about Hezekiah. Is it Hezekiah? Okay. Ahaz Ahaz was the guy that you said uh, tried to ally with Assyria. That's right. You're right. Yes, that's correct. So it was Hezekiah. Um, So, yeah, and it was towards the end of Hezekiah's reign. He was gravely ill and he cried out to God and said, please save me. I I don't basically, I don't want to die. Um, And at the same time, the ascending Babylonians sent an emissary and, and kind of was like, we've heard that you're sick. And we wish you the well. The king of Babylon wishes, wishes you a safe recovery and is praying to his gods. Um, and Hezekiah kind of gets a, a big head about it. He's like, oh, wow, I'm important. Look at this Babylon. They, they think I'm great. And, and he, he shows this emissary. He's like, let me show you how great we are. And he goes and he shows him the riches of Judah. The, the riches of, of the palace and of the temple and of the temple and of everything that they have. <clears throat> and then he says, okay, thank you. And he leaves. Hezekiah doesn't think anything of it. Well, then Isaiah comes and says, what did you show that man? And he was like, well, I showed him all the riches and how powerful we were and how rich we were. And, you know, cause this was after a, a period of prosperity. Um, right. And, and Isaiah just looks at him point blank and says, everything that you showed that em- emissary, the Babylonians are going to carry off for their own. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened later on. Right. It was the beginning of, yeah, very good. Yeah, that pride uh, definitely did him in. And which actually, I think this is a good time, uh, a moment to uh, – uh, segue now from the history just to the different characteristics and themes of Isaiah that we'll see as we as we go through in the in the coming weeks 
Um, hey, George, can I, I, turn can I give you Scotty. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Just one more thing. I just want to say one more thing. Okay. So we all, some of us might not remember, but, but we, can, we can all look and remember, probably remember in our history books that the modern nation of Israel was established in 1947 by a UN charter, right? Yeah. Well, another very, very significant event happened that very same year. Do y'all know? You're, man, as a history teacher, I should know. I'm gonna let you take this one. A young boy in, uh, in, the, in the hills discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. In, ah, yes. in 1947, it was the same year, and it's it's. I just find it rather significant um, that's the same year that if, that Israel was established as a as a country, modern the modern the modern uh, country of Israel, um, and just to know that again that the, what's significant about the Dead Sea Scrolls is that it contained a complete cover to cover translation of Isaiah, uh, and that it was, to that point, the oldest translation that was known was a translation that was written from 900 AD. With, uh, and this, and the one that was discovered in 1947 was written in 100 BC. So a full thousand years before the oldest translation that they had before this time. And the, and the remarkable thing about it is that they looked in they looked at this at this new script, the Dead Sea Scrolls, comparing it with what with the uh, the scriptures that they already had, and it was almost word for word identical over a thousand years. And it just that that just blows my that always blows my mind in that in that something that old over the over how many generations it didn't change. I mean, it's the word of God, right? The word of God never changes. Further speaks to how just even from a historical, historical aspect, this book is reliable. Absolutely. You know, it is, it is accurate. Um, That's thank you, Kevin. Good. Yeah. When this, when this book says that uh, Rezin was the king of Syria, uh, we know Rezin was the king of Syria. Absolutely. Exactly. It is. It is a book based in in history. Very. So uh, let's. So let's talk now. Let's 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 finish up with the like the characteristics and themes of the book. Uh, so, like for example, I think pride is is in the in the results of pride. I think are are found throughout this book. Uh, we'll see. But um, let's, Scotty, if you don't mind, what are some uh, themes that you've seen? at least so far in this book and, and everything that we'll be uh, talking about moving forward that our, our listeners, you know, our, our, our wonderful listeners will be able to uh, grasp. We, we know the, the current canon. Uh, so basically when you look at the table of contents of your Bible, um, it's going to be broken down into uh, the first five books, the Torah or Pentateuch, then the history, historical books, uh, wisdom literature, and then the fourth section of the Old Testament is uh, called is the prophets. It's the prophetic books. And Isaiah is currently the first one, right? So once you finish up with the wisdom literature, if you're trying to read it straight through, you're going to hit Isaiah. 
And so he's going to be kind of your introduction to profits, to what a profit is, what a profit does. And uh, for broad purposes, uh, the idea of a prophet is someone that the Lord uses to speak to people. So a prophet uh, is someone who speaks from the Lord to people, uh, which is juxtaposed with a priest who speaks for the people to God, right? So the priest is going to represent people before God, whereas the prophet represents God before people. And really, uh, like we explained before, what we're learning here is the Lord is giving us a really long explanation of how he feels about things, uh, the things that he likes and the things that he doesn't like. And what better way to get to know someone uh, than it's almost like icebreaker questions. And so you say, how do you feel about treachery? And you say, well, uh, I don't like that. How do you feel about uh, this and that? And then hearing the Lord respond. And so he's going to show himself. Uh, he's going to ask Isaiah to do some things as kind of a, a picture of something to illustrate. Um, I mentioned before that there's a point where he, in order to explain that someone is going to be taken away naked, um, Isaiah has to strip himself naked. Um, but later on, the Lord is going to ask him to do some increasingly odd things, uh, but it's always to give us a picture of something that the Lord says is going to come to pass. And so in that way, the, the Lord is kind of uh, lowering himself to our level saying, listen, I know you don't understand much, but you can see this. So here it is. Um, but of course, uh, George knows uh, Isaiah 12 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Yes. And a, a lot of what he's talking about is looking forward to the Messiah, of course. So you get uh, these chapters that are sad. They're talking about what's going on and how much it stinks. They're talking about what's going to go on and how much it's going to stink. And then uh, he follows it up uh, almost inexplicably with something alluding to how the Lord is going to send someone who's going to set it all right. Um, how the Lord is going to uh, send this Messiah. And once he gets here, a, sig a significant portion of the book is about what it's going to be like when he shows up. Now, we know when we look at uh, books like this that a lot of the prophecies, uh, he's giving us some short-term pictures, right? That he says this particular kingdom is going to receive this sort of fate. Uh, but then there are other prophecies he's giving us that aren't going to be fulfilled for a long time. Uh, and I, in some cases, he gives us a, a prophecy like, let's say the virgin will give birth. Um, and he means it in one sense. Uh, which is immediately fulfilled, but then in a greater sense, it's going to be fulfilled in a greater way through Jesus. I, I do just want to kind of add a little bit to uh, what he was saying um, in that, yeah, I think it, if you want to know God, reading a book like Isaiah, I mean, that's, that's how you're going to uh, accomplish this, right? Because God continually is speaking himself. Like, this is my opinion on this or when people do this this is how i'm going to react to that um you want to know how i'm going to redeem the remnant of people this is how i'm going to do it you know you want to know what i have in store for y'all who have placed your faith in me this is what i'm going to do you know um 
which is really exciting, you know, really exciting to, to, to read these things. Um, I think this book is very much about God's plan for justice, right? I think justice is, is found throughout um, the book of Isaiah, right? This is how I'm going to bring about justice, right? The day of the Lord is continually talked about in this, in this book and how he is going to, the day of the Lord is a, is a terrifying day for the wicked, right? And there's mm-hmm. a lot of, of, you know, writing, this is what God has in store for those people. And even Isaiah, uh, you know, at times is like, I, I lament this. I don't enjoy writing about this or, or hearing about this, even though these people are getting what they deserve, you know? Um, but then also the day of the Lord is, is a wonderful time, right? That even, uh, God, while still being just, you know, uh, saves his people and, and, and offers grace through, uh, what's going to happen with Christ and, and how he is going to endure our punishment, uh, for us. And God being just is not going to punish, you know, still punish us if Jesus has already been punished in our place. Um, and then finally, one other theme I found I think is very important. You know, the prophet basically serves as an advocate for faith in the midst of a lost generation, right? He calls on people to seek the Lord, uh, to experience God's peace and, and respond with faith as, as, you know, the nation that we live in continually uh, pursues idols and, and, and is going down, you know, uh, a path that we don't want to be a part of. So that is uh, my two cents on uh, the themes of the book of Isaiah. Um, did anybody have anything else they wanted to add real quick before we wrap this up? I, I think I'd like to say that's just kind of, um, it's almost like it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a book that can be very difficult to read at sometimes, um, just because of, of, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like sometimes when I, when I read things like this, or I listen to. Um, certain podcasts that deal with things like this with, with times of, um, you know, with really scary times, um, it can be discouraging uh, a little bit, but the, the main thing that always comes back throughout Isaiah is the message of hope, the hope that we have in, in Jesus coming to make all things right. Um, they, you, you know, when, when Isaiah was written, it, it, they, they may have been expecting the all-conquering king to come and save them from their earthly enemies, but really what, what Jesus came to save was our souls from eternal, uh, eternal damnation. Um, and, and of course, we know that as believers, um, because, you know, we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we also have to remember that back in the day, some 
there were most, most of the people, they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, right? The day of Pentecost hadn't come. Um, and, and so I think it's a good reminder, especially for me, um, but for many of us too, that it's easy to get caught up in going in, in, in getting down by what you see going around, going on around you in the world. And I'm, and I mean that, you know, today as every bit as in like historical times. Um, and it's an important reminder to, to, to remind ourselves as believers that we serve a king that is the ultimate king of kings and is sovereign over everything and has made a way for us to be reconciled to him and as adopted sons and daughters. And that's through his son, through, through his son who took the penalty for us that we deserved. And it all starts here. It's a, it's essentially like, um, like uh, the thing I like to hear uh, that I thought was, was brilliant from, uh, from this, this scholar. And this is where I've gotten most of my information, by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due. Um, his name's David Pawson. Um, he just recently passed away. Um, unfortunately, he was like 92. Uh, was a British scholar, brilliant man. Um, and uh, uh, he's a biblical scholar. And he described Isaiah as the Bible in miniature. That essentially, if you want to if, if read the Bible, Isaiah is a great place to start because it essentially uh, mirrors the rest of the Bible in that one book. Ah. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's great. So again, uh, if y'all who, uh, ever, you know, if you ever come across our, our podcast and start listening, I do want to encourage y'all to read the book of Isaiah, uh, hopefully with this, uh, podcast as sort of a supplement to, uh, help y'all get, uh, the most that you can out of this. Uh, I do hope very much that, uh, you know, the Holy spirit blesses this, uh, and, and, and our, our podcast. So, uh, in conclusion, I am George Cagle, joined by Scotty Jinks and uh, Kevin Kerner as part of the Redeemer Radical Reflections of Reading Rightly <laughs> on Isaiah. Or, again, you can just call us the 5Rs podcast. Mm-hmm.